Sponsorship of the KQED live audio stream comes from Xfinity Mobile, featuring customized wireless plans. Customers can choose unlimited, buy the gig, shared data, or a mix of both and switch it up anytime. Learn more at XfinityMobile.com. From KQED in San Francisco, this is the Writer's Block. Hi, this is David Levithan. Um, I'm the author of The Lover's Dictionary, a novel that just came out. It is the story of a relationship, two people who've been together for about two and a half years, and it's told entirely in dictionary form. One of the lovers is basically writing a dictionary to the other lover, trying to explain the relationship and trying to sort of figure out all of the ups and downs that they've been through and to figure out what the next step is. So here's a little bit from it. Contiguous. Adjective. I felt silly for even mentioning it, but once I did, I knew I had to explain. When I was a kid, I said, I had this puzzle with all 50 states on it. You know, the kind where you have to fit them all together. And one day I got it in my head that California and Nevada were in love. I told my mom, and she had no idea what I was talking about. I ran and got those two pieces and showed it to her. California and Nevada, completely in love. So a lot of the time when we're like this, my ankles against the back of your ankles, my knees fitting into the backs of your knees, my thighs on the backs of your legs, my stomach against your back, my chin folding into your neck. I can't help but think about California and Nevada and how we're a lot like them. If someone were drawing us from above as a map, that's what we'd look like. That's how we are. For a moment, you were quiet, and then you nestled in and whispered, contiguous, and I knew you understood. Corrode, verb. I spent all this time building a relationship. Then one night I left the window open, and it started to rust. Daunting, adjective. Really, we should use this more as a verb. You daunted me, and I daunted you. Or would it be that I was daunted by you, and you were daunted by me? That sounds better. It daunted me that you were so beautiful, that you were so at ease in social situations, as if every room was heliotropic and you at the center. And I guess it daunted you that I had so many more friends than you, that I could put my words together like this on paper and could sometimes conjure a certain sense out of things. The key is to never recognize these imbalances, to not let the dauntingness daunt us. Deadlock, noun. Just when it would seem like we were at a complete standstill, the tiebreakers would save us. If Emily's birthday party and Evan's birthday party were on the same night, we'd go to the movies instead of having to choose. If I wanted Mexican and you wanted Italian, we'd take it as a sign to go for Thai. If I wanted to get back to New York and you wanted to spend another night in Boston, we'd find a bed and breakfast somewhere in between. Even if neither of us got what we wanted, we found freedom in the third choices. Deciduous. Adjective. I couldn't believe one person could own so many shoes and still buy new ones every year. Defunct. Adjective. You brought home a typewriter for me. 
detachment, noun. I still don't know if this is a good quality or a bad one, to be able to be in the moment and then step out of it. Not just during sex or while talking or kissing. I don't deliberately pull away, I don't think I do, but I find myself suddenly there on the outside, unable to lose myself in where I am. You catch me sometimes. You'll say I'm drifting off, and I'll apologize, trying to snap back to the present. But I, I should say this. Even when I detach, I care. You can be separate from a thing and still care about it. If I wanted to detach completely, I would move my body away. I would stop the conversation mid-sentence. I would leave the bed. Instead, I hover over it for a second. I glance off in another direction. But I always glance back at you. Disabuse, verb. I love the idea that an abuse can be negated and that the things most often disabused are notions. Disarray, noun. At times I feel like I'm living with a 90-year-old finding a box of crackers in the laundry hamper or a pair of socks by the vodka. Sometimes I tell you where I found things and we joke about it. Other times I just put them back. Dispel, verb. It was the way you said, I have something to tell you. I could feel the magic drain from the room. Dissonance, noun. Nights when I need to sleep and you can't. Days when I want to talk and you won't. Hours when every noise you make interferes with my silence. Weeks when there is a buzzing in the air and we both pretend we don't hear it. Doldrums, noun. The proper verb for depression is sink. Dumbfounded, adjective. And still, for all the jealousy, all the doubt, sometimes I will be struck with a kind of awe that we're together. That someone like me could find someone like you, it renders me wordless. Because surely words would conspire against such luck, would protest the unlikelihood of such a turn of events. I didn't tell any of my friends about our first date. I waited until after the second because I wanted to make sure it was real. I wouldn't believe it had happened until it had happened again. Then, later on, I would be overwhelmed by the evidence, by all the lines connecting you to me and us to love. Ebullient. Adjective. I once told Amanda, my best friend in high school, that I could never be with someone who wasn't excited by rainstorms. So when the first one came, it was kind of a test. It was one of those sudden storms, and when we left Radio City, we found hundreds of people skittishly sheltered under the overhang. What should we do? I asked. And you said, run. So that's what we did, rocketing down 6th Avenue, dashing around the rest of the post-concert crowd, splashing our tracks until our ankles were soaked. You took the lead, and I started to lose my sprint. But then you looked back, stopped, and waited for me to catch up, for me to take your hand, for us to continue to run in the rain, drenched and enchanted, my words to Amanda no longer feeling like a requirement, 
but a foretelling. Elegy. Noun. Your grandfather dies a few months after we move in together. There is no question that I will go with you, but there are plenty of questions when we get to the funeral. I know you haven't slept. I know you've spent the night on the computer trying to pin down what you feel. I know why you didn't accept my offer to help, just as you know why I felt I had to offer it anyway. On the car ride down, you practice what you're going to say. You use the word confliction when you really should just say conflict, and you use the word remarkability, which I'm not sure is even a word. But I don't say a thing. I just listen to you say them over and over again, because they are what you need to say. Then we get there, and the first words out of your mother's mouth are, nobody's speaking at the service. That, more than anything else, throws you off, makes it seem like you've been bequeathed a bad patch of gravity. I'm bombarded from all sides. Most people don't know my name, and nobody knows what to call me in relation to you. Something more than a boyfriend, something less than a spouse. I met your grandfather once, and he was nice to me. That's what I can contribute, that I met your grandfather once, and that he was nice to me. Something happens to us that day. It's there during the service, when you don't let go of my hand. It's there back at your mother's house, when we retreat to your childhood bedroom and go through your old chest of drawers, where we find stale jelly beans and notes from high school you hadn't wanted your mother to unearth. It's there when your mother bursts into tears after most of the guests have gone, and I don't need you to say a word to know I am not to leave the room until you're leaving it with me. We have fallen through the surface of want and are deep in the trenches of need. That night, driving home, I ask you to tell me stories about your grandfather. And as we travel farther and farther from your mother's house and closer and closer to our own apartment, you unspool the memories and turn them into words. From behind the wheel, I learn the difference between a eulogy and an elegy and discover which is more vital in life and in death. I, noun, me, without anyone else. Idea, noun. I'm quitting, you say. I can't believe how wasted I was. This time I'm really going to do it. And I tell you I'll help. It's almost a script at this point. Imperceptible, adjective. We stopped counting our relationship in dates, first date, second date, fifth date, seventh, and started counting it in months. That might have been the first true commitment, this shift in terminology. We never talked about it, but we were at a party and someone asked how long we'd been together, and when you said a month and a half, I knew we had gotten there. Impromptu, adjective. I have summer Fridays off. You don't. So what better reason for me to take you to lunch and then keep you at lunch for the whole afternoon? Reserving these afternoons to do all the city things we never get around to doing. Wandering through MoMA, stopping in at the Hayden Planetarium, hopping onto the Staten Island Ferry and riding back and forth, back and forth, watching all the people as they unknowingly parade for us. 
You notice clothes more than I do, so it's a pleasure to hear your running commentary, to construct lives out of worn handbags or shirts opened one button too low. Had we tried to plan these excursions, they never would have worked. There has to be that feeling of escape. Inadvertent. Adjective. You left your email open on my computer. I couldn't help it. I didn't open any of them, but I did look at who they were from and was relieved. Incessant. Adjective. The doubts. You had to save me from my constant doubts. That deep-seated feeling that I wasn't good enough for anything. I was a fake at my job. I wasn't your equal. My friends would forget me if I moved away for a month. It wasn't as easy as hearing voices. Nobody was telling me this. It was just something I knew. Everyone else was playing along, but I was sure that one day they would all stop. Indelible. Adjective. That first night, you took your finger and pointed to the top of my head, then traced a line between my eyes, down my nose, over my lips, my chin, my neck, to the center of my chest. It was so surprising, I knew I would never mimic it. That one gesture would be yours forever. Ineffable. Adjective. These words will ultimately end up being the barest of reflections, devoid of the sensations words cannot convey. Trying to write about love is ultimately like trying to have a dictionary represent life. No matter how many words there are, there will never be enough. Infidel. Noun. We think of them as hiding in the hills, rebels, ransackers, rogue revolutionaries. But really, aren't they just guilty of infidelity? Innate. Adjective. Why do you always make the bed? I asked. We're only going to get back in it later tonight. You looked at me like I was the worst kind of slacker. It's just what I've always done, you said. We always had to make our beds. Always. Integral. Adjective. I was so nervous to meet Catherine. You made it clear she was the only friend whose opinion you really cared about, so I spent more time getting dressed for her than I ever had for you. We met at that sushi place on 7th Avenue, and I awkwardly shook her hand, then told her I'd heard so much about her, which came off like me trying to legitimize your friendship when I was the one who needed to get the stamp of approval. I was on safer ground once we'd started talking about books, and she seemed impressed that I actually read them. She remarked on the steadiness of my job, the steadiness of my family. I wasn't sure I wanted to be steady, but she saw my unease and assured me it was a good thing, not usually your type. We found out we'd gone to summer camp within ten minutes of each other, and that sealed it. You were lost in our tales of the Berkshires and the long, unappreciative stretches we'd spent on the Tanglewood Long. At the end of the dinner, I got a hug, not a handshake. She seemed so relieved. I should have been glad, but it only made me wonder about the other guys of yours that she'd met. 
I wondered why I was considered such a break from the norm. To subscribe to the Writer's Block and hear more stories, visit kqed.org slash writersblock. The Writer's Block is produced by KQED. (laughs) 